This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you confuse French and Russian service? Do you crack lobster with your teeth? Do you cut cake without permission? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And we're in New York today, and let's just get right down to it. Let's get in it. So today, I want to talk about French, English, and Russian service. And this is something that you have experienced, but you may not have known what it was called. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this world and open the door, because I find it very fascinating, and I hope you do, and maybe it will inspire you to go deeper down this path and learn more about it. (laughs) So... What am I talking about? I'm talking about the way food makes it from a kitchen to your plate in a formal situation. So let's talk about French service. Service a la Française. And so this is kind of the oldest version of service. And basically, this was going on, I think, Middle Ages, maybe, maybe a little later. Hard to say when this really started. But the idea is you arrive at the table and the table's already set with food. All the food is out, at least for the first course. So there's going to be all these dishes, uh, uh, different soups, all sorts of things on the table arranged symmetrically. And you sit down and then you dig in and you might help the person to your right and left. And we have a great celebration. So this went on basically until like the late 19th century. Service à la Française was sort of like the way formal entertaining happened. And so it was sort of uh, very opulent. You could see all these different dishes and it felt very sort of exciting because there was all these different things. The disadvantage of this is that you didn't actually necessarily get to taste everything. So if there's something that was too far away and never got past you, you may not get to try it. The other disadvantage is that things would get cold because often the table was set before you got there. So then this was sort of replaced with Russian service, service a la Russe. And apparently there was a 
Russian ambassador to Paris in the early 1800s who sort of popularized this style. And the big difference here is that when you arrived, there's no food on the table. And then from the kitchen, elaborate platters of food, beautifully arranged, would come around. And then maybe with tongs or maybe to serve yourself, you would take a piece of meat or something from the platter to your individual dish. And so this was happening uh, and this became the popular style. Um, this sort of replaced service à la française because it made the food hotter. Everybody got to try everything. Also, it was much more efficient to serve a lot of people. Like if you had a big banquet, like you could get a lot of people fed this way. So that is Russian service. So also with Russian services, the table, uh, that's when we get like tablescapes happening, floral arrangements, because there was no food in the middle of the table that uh, this is when we started to see more of that happening. And also with Russian service, some scholars have said that the focus stopped being on the aesthetics of the food and actually shifted a little bit more towards taste. Because yes, things were beautifully arranged on platters, but the actual presentation was sort of de-emphasized when you have this sort of situation. And so the idea that how food tastes became more important, mm. um, which we still have today. <laughs> so then there is American service, which the English would call English service. And in this style, basically, the host kind of does the serving. So you will never really see this in a restaurant. But this would be like, you come over to my house and I made lasagna and we're all sitting around the table and I have the lasagna in front of me and I'm going to cut the lasagna. I'm going to put it on a plate. I'm going to pass it down. That is American service. Um, there might be some sides in the middle that we kind of help ourselves to, but the idea that like the host is serving you, that's like American service. And then there's restaurant service, which is basically just the food's made in the kitchen. They put it on the plate, mm -hmm. the individual plate, already perfect, comes to you. So that's kind of like the major tent poles of service. Now, where it gets complicated is that there are so many different variations about what I just talked about. So if there's any service scholars out there listening, be like, oh, no, that's not right. Well, no, he left out this part. Yeah, it's really true. In researching this, it is so complicated because not only is it how the food comes out, there's this whole other world of like how many forks are out, when they arrive, when you take plates away, you know, it gets real complicated with these different services. And then also what it's called, because some people would call the restaurant service American service. There's all these different terms and like, you know, no one's agrees on anything. I'm using the Miss Manners approach, no surprise, but, you know, there's different uh, flavors. And then there's also the service called uh, Garridon which is just French for pedestal table. And that is when something would be prepared table side. And mm. some people call this carte French. It sounds fancy, but if you're at a Mexican restaurant and they make guacamole for you at the table, that's Garrido. Which is fancy. If you go to Benihana, that's uh, technically uh, Garrido. And things like a Caesar salad that's prepared table side or capsuzet or steak Diane. Like these are all examples of like table side things. I don't think you would ever really have an entire meal cooked for you table side. Or maybe you would. I don't know. I don't think I've been to that restaurant. But um, <laughs> just goes to show, there's like a lot of different uh, types of service in the world. So I find it very fascinating because you can kind of trace the history of the world through the way we eat and share food. And so I think people should learn more about it. It's very interesting. Also, when you started up top, you said, do you mix up French and Russian service? And I actually do. I didn't know that. Very interesting. When I was a cater waiter, they would call what is now apparently Russian service, French service. Right. Yes. And it may be that that's the correct term for whatever lineage they're working from. And also a lot of service mixes 
is the style. Like I feel like in modern dining today, uh, we don't actually have a pure essence of anything anymore. It's always sort of a hodgepodge, but that's service. So that's your moose bouche. I love it. And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Deep into the water. Deep into the inky <laughs> abyss. Yes. So for today's deep dive, Leah's in charge. <gasps> This is my first time. Might be last. We'll see how it goes. So <laughs> be gentle with me. <laughs> so for today's deep dive, I wanted to talk about eating lobster. And who better to assist us with this than our resident Mainer, Leah Bonima. I am delighted and honored. And I hope that I serve my role as lobster, bringing it to ambassador. the world. The ambassador yeah. of lobster. I decided I'm going to talk about my personal history with lobster. Please. And then I'm going to talk about lobster's history. Oh, gosh. And then we'll move on how to eat it. We do have a limited amount of time. Okay, I'm going to make these real quick. (laughs) Hurtful, but I'm going to make it quick. So this is just a really funny story. You know, I'm from rural northern Maine, northwestern, which is not coastal Maine. So people associate lobster with all of Maine. True. But that's not where I'm from. Okay. Um, Am I doubting your credentials about lobster eating now? <laughs> no. I'm just okay. saying I didn't like step outside. I'm not from the docks. You know what okay. I mean? I'm not from the coast. <laughs> okay. We're not having lobster at every meal. All right. It was a treat. Sure. And But I, my parents, they loved this one uh, lobster place down on the coast, which was about a two and a half hour drive, three, three hour drive. And it was the first time I'd ever had lobster. They took me down... Uh, It was like a summer. Everybody dressed up in their nice clothes. You know, how old were you? Old enough that I have a memory. Okay, but under two digits. Okay, I walk in. I see the lobsters alive in the tank. I love them. I'm big into animals. Then we go to the table, Uh and then we order lobster, and they serve it. And I, at that moment, realized that that was the lobster that I connected the dots. Okay. And I don't remember it being that loud, but according to my parents, it was egregious. Not egregious. They weren't embarrassed because they they get me. But I started sobbing Mm. and I screamed, that's somebody's mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, so I had so much fun talking to the lobsters and I just kept screaming, that's somebody's mommy. So that's my first lobster experience. I just thought that was delightful. No, that's delightful. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting uh, how you've been this way for a very long time. I've been this way. I'm very sensitive about everything. <laughs> okay. So we did not have lobster that time. So that was actually not your first experience. I'm sure I had to be dragged eating out. lobster. Just dragged out sobbing. Okay. I did work at a lobster resort during college. What is a lobster resort? It's people would come, you know, in any of the harbors, Booth Bay Harbor, Bar Harbor. People yeah. would come for like a week. They would rent a cabin. So a resort. Resort. Not a lobster resort well they have a lot of lobster dinners they would sail that kind of stuff and then dinner would be seafoods and then so we always had to serve the lobster unlike it's regularly served where we actually had to hold the lobster in a sitting position so the lobster would hold the butter and then we had to get that out to the tables just to clarify the lobster is in a sitting position you as the waiter, not in the Me as the waiter position. walking. Walking. You're walking. So you mean the lobster is turned upside down. Yes. So then, it's more like a boat. And it's holding the... Holding a thing of butter, like a, like a little Like a ramekin. little butter thing. Okay. So I've had a lot of lobster experiences. Yeah. Some places you slice the lobster. So the shell's already cracked for people. That feels like cheating a little bit. That's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. I feel like don't have lobster if you want somebody else. Yeah. Or like, why are you even talking about it then? Because like, where is there any challenge? Yeah. A part of lobster, unless you're going to have like a lobster sandwich, 
is doing the work. Okay, that's part of the experience. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I think that's true, yeah. That's, you get in it. You get down, yeah. you have your pick, and you have your nutcracker. Okay. And I believe the right way to do it is you twist off the claws. So that was Leah making a little claw gesture with her hands, which you cannot see on a podcast. Right, you twist off the claws. <laughs> okay. And then the claws are in two, there's a knuckle. And right. then you can break those. Well, there's like the big part of the claw, the upper part, and then the, the thumb part. The little thumb. That's right. easily breakable. We're using you... technical terms. I'm for pretty sure all it's actually called a parts. knuckle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then you get in there with your pick. The other thing you break off is the tail is the other major well, let's part. Well, just, let's just back up for a second. I am rolling up to Ngonquit, Maine. I want to make sure that nobody thinks that I'm not a Mainer. And so they know I... immediately that you're not a Mainer. <laughs> right. But I want to pretend. <laughs> I want to live this fantasy. How do they know I'm not a Mainer? I'm I, I'm wearing my L.O. Bean moccasins. Is that, we just no? know each other. That's true. There's only <laughs> four of you. Yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, I didn't go to elementary school with him. So I walked in, though, and I want to try and be as authentic as possible. I sit down at uh, the table, and now I'm presented with a bib, yeah. right? Okay, so we, we bib is happening. Right, put the bib on. Now, sidebar, I was looking into this and what Ms. Manners had to say and what Emily Post and everybody had to say about lobster. Interestingly, Andy Warhol, I think, did the lobster eating illustration for Amy Vanderbilt's book, which I thought was interesting. But like Amy, which is so not Maine. Which Andy Warhol doing a lobster uh, illustration with a Vanderbilt. This is yeah. not Maine. You no. need to walk in. You need to get off your John Deere. <laughs> did you come in in a truck? Oh, I'm driving my tractor to this place. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not from Maine. But Ms. Manner was saying two conflicting things along the history. I guess when you've been in the etiquette business for so long, you start to contradict yourself. One time she told somebody that if you wanted to eat lobster without a bib, you should just do it at home. And then one time she said that, or she hinted that she's so good at eating lobster that she doesn't need a bib. Oh, wow. I mean, that <laughs> so, just feels like a dare or something. I think what she said was, when you know how to do it, you can be, quote, spared the indignity of the bib. So that's Miss Banders. I think I enjoy the indignity of the bib. That's really... Because when else are you wearing bibs? That's a bad question for you. In general, <laughs> when else in society do we get to wear bibs? Yeah, enjoy it. It's a part of it because yeah. it's going to spray a little bit and it's fun. So now my whole lobster has arrived. Yeah. And so what part do I start with first? You're going to break the claws off first. Okay, so claws come off first. Yep. And I'm eating the claws first. You could also, I think this is an emotional choice. Do you want to break it all up first mm. or do you want to break it up as you go? I would break the claws off, then pop the thumb off, eat the claws, then pop the tail, mm. and then end in the middle because that's okay. a little dicey. I think some people like to break the whole thing up first. So like prepare it all, get prepare all the meat all. out, do all my picking, do all my labor, and then afterwards enjoy the fruits of my labor. Right. And either are okay. As far as I'm concerned. Okay. Well, as far as you're concerned is the correct answer as an <laughs> authentic Maine person. I think yes. a part of being from Maine is that we're very casual. Yeah. I did have a little hot history for you because I didn't, I, you know, I wanted to live up to here. It's that in the 1700s. Oh, gosh. Go people, way back. The lobster was so common that people called it, and I'm quoting, the poor man protein. <laughs> they gave it to like prisoners. Oh, how things have changed. Yes. And then in the mid 1800s, Maine started the first lobster pound. Oh, okay. And then it caught on in Boston and New York. And when mm. that happened, that's when it started getting fancy. I see. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I would never think to order a whole lobster in a fancy restaurant. Like, I feel like it's not compatible with that. Well, a lot of times of when you go to a fancy restaurant, they give you a steak and like a half a lobster. A lobster oh, a tail. turf. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and I guess a tail is not that much labor involved. That's so a lot easy. of people don't want to get in there with a tamale. So let's talk about the tamale. So 
So the tamale is this sort of greeny liver, it's the liver and the pancreas concentrate that is sort of in the the middle part of the body. Yeah. And so I guess it's very controversial or or people just don't like it. A lot of people Some people like it. love it. They're like, "Oh, I like to put it on toast." Some people are in. Yes, it's polarizing. I think you're allowed I don't eat it. I don't mm-hmm. bring it up when I'm eating, okay. you know, I don't, <laughs> we don't flag talk to of- the table. Ooh, you know what I mean? I just sort of delicately move I it see. to the side with the remaining shells. So it's it's acceptable to not eat it. Absolutely. Okay. What about roe if it's a female lobster? I mean, it's your call. Okay, so but similar rules. Like if I don't want to eat it, it's fine. No one will judge me for not eating it. Yes, I think that's correct. Is it okay to offer it to a fellow diner or we don't do that? You know me. <laughs> okay. I would. Oh, do you love the roe? Why don't you have mine? Okay. I don't know. You know, I also ask people, are you not eating your pickle? Because I love a pickle. Okay. So I don't right. know. Uh, what What is uh, actually acceptable and what you would do? Okay, yeah. there's some ambiguity. Fine. And then where do I put all of my carcass parts? Do I there leave will this be on a the bowl plate? in the middle. There will be a bowl. Uh, so I just put it in there as I go along. Yep, goes into the sh- And often people will come through and dump it and come oh, back. Oh, they'll occasionally decant it. Yeah, okay. they will decant the shell <laughs> okay. bowl. Obviously, they'll give you a little tin cup of for your bulk like, butter. It'll be warm okay. butter. So you can just d- dip your lobster right into the butter. Many would right. argue that lobster is just a vehicle for butter. And I guess you have your individual butter, so it's fine to double dip in your own butter. Yeah, double dip that. Right. Okay. Now, at the end of the meal, now my hands are all You are going to get a little hand wipey. So no finger bowls. There's no finger bowls. <laughs> okay. I mean... I would like a nice finger bowl, but okay. So I get like a, a towelette, towelette, moist towelette. I rip they usually the give you a whole pile of them because one's not going to be enough. Okay. Now we didn't talk about lemon. Do, am I allowed to squeeze lemon on lobster? Absolutely. That's fine. I think okay. people, it's been my experience that lemon always comes with all seafoods. True. Yeah. And it squeeze on your plate as needed. Okay. I wouldn't and go so, around and squeeze it on other people's lobsters. I, I Yes. I think squeezing lemon on other people's lobsters frowned upon. Frowned upon. Found upon. I think really with lobster, get in there and enjoy it. I like to try to get all the meat out. Have a good time. Yeah. Make okay. that bib work for its money. <laughs> Fair enough. And then I guess when we're done with the lobster, I guess we would want to remove the bib. And I think we'd want to fold it nicely. And I think we'd want to put it to the left. I feel like that would be. If you get it doing. off you and you make it in a way that people can pick it up. Okay. You're I just think gonna I've wad also, it up. I don't know. Possibly people put it in the bowl. Oh, where it the goes shells in the are. communal shell bowl. Okay. I don't know. No, I, I can see that. Yeah. I've often worn my bib home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't bring your own bib. <laughs> that is a great idea. I may do that moving forward. Yeah. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you. I learned a lot about lobster and I'm uh, ready to tackle this crustacean. You know, I get so nervous that I'm not just presenting my experience. I looked it up. I hope that I did well by everybody. I believe that you have done your state proud. Thank you. And if you haven't, I'm sure we'll hear from people. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. 
What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you guys in the wilderness. So our first question is, quote, my question concerns comments on people's origins. My five native New Yorker friends, that she actually wrote it phonetically, (laughs) and I took a girls reunion trip to Nashville. When our Uber driver asked, where y'all from? We answered enthusiastically, New York. Mr. Uber's response was, I hear New Yorkers are rude. Kind of a rude response from a genteel Southerner, no? How would you have handled this? I must admit we were not rendered speechless. One of my friends responded in a New York minute. I hear Southerners are stupid. I found this very funny and very satisfying, but when I recount this story, another friend says she feels uneasy with that response and did not like it. We had just arrived and had yet to learn about, bless your heart. I suppose that could have been the appropriate response, but really, I prefer a blunt but genuine New York response. All right, Leah. Are you rude? Am I rude? Yeah, I guess you're not a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a New Yorker at this point. For sure. Yeah. I think people think New Yorkers are rude, which this is not the question, just because New Yorkers are in a hurry. I think that's part of it. I think part of it also that New Yorkers tend to be a little more forward and blunt. And so that comes across as maybe a little rude if you're not used to that. But I think it's because they're in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we do have places to be. Yeah. So I guess my initial response here is that we do not want to add more rudeness to the world. So we do not want a rude response to a rude statement. I 100% agree. I I always feel like always take the high road. Yeah. I mean, I think I've experienced a similar flavor because I mean, I'm I live in New York, but at the end of the day, I'm not a New Yorker. But I experience this when I travel abroad where people make comments about the United States. And I feel sort of obligated to defend my country, you know, for some reason. Um, well, they just sort of say disparaging things about the United States. And I guess you have a couple of choices on how you want to respond. One is just to say, oh, <laughs> and just leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, just sort of a withering. Oh, 
uh, and not respond. I think that's fine. The other option is to take great offense and apologize. Like, oh, I'm so sorry to have offended you. Uh, I didn't realize we were being rude. Uh, I'm so sorry. Would it be better if we took a different Uber? So you could just have an extreme reaction and assume that they thought that you were being rude in this moment uh, and apologize profusely for it. That's a dramatic approach. It requires a little flair, a little acting ability. Mm. But uh, <laughs> I, I like this option. No, you're not. Uh, you're not on board with this. I mean, I see where that's. Go- I mean, okay. Well, we're putting it on the whiteboard. We're putting it on the whiteboard. Put it on the whiteboard. I think you could say the more honest answer, which would be like, "Oh, that hasn't been my experience, and I'm sorry you feel that way about the place that I call home." I think you could say something like that. It's a little pointed. Uh, you know, it it kind of twists the knife a little bit when you talk about the place that you call home. <laughs> But I like that answer. I like that answer. I also like saying, oh, that hasn't been my experience. I think we don't want to, for the taxi driver, I think in his mind, he was kind of joking, which doesn't excuse it. Right. But I think we never want to joke about where people are from and the things people say about them. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we want to address it. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. I don't think we want to let it go. So we don't want to respond with somebody's error of making a joke about where you're from and what's wrong with the people from where you're from (laughs) with what is the rumor of what's wrong with the people where they're from. Yes, agreed. Because I feel like some people actually miss the point of that. Yes. I mean, I guess, how about an answer which is like, oh, well, there's 8 million of us, so it's hard to generalize. I mean, that's very... I like that. I like that too. Or to do what you did up top, which is just kind of explain like why people think we're rude, which is like, oh, you know, we tend to be more direct. We tend to be in a hurry. If you're not used to that, that definitely comes across as rude. Yeah. But we don't mean it that way. I I mean, obviously I understand people don't deserve explanations and it was this person, the, the taxi driver said something first. I just love to explain things to people. Mm. So I would do that. I'd be like, oh, I'm not originally from there. And so that was my, but now that I've lived there, I realize it's just because people are in a hurry and in general, people are really kind. And then if they yeah. don't change their tone, then maybe I'd drop a little hotty toddy on them. But <laughs> okay. at that point, maybe they would just see me as I like, want to see your little hotty toddy. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what that would look like. Yeah. You know, give them a little, uh, little information. Or if you wanted to respond, but didn't want to get into a conversation, I guess you could say something like, oh, well, I hope that won't be your experience with us today. Oh, that's a nice one. And just kind of leave it there. Let's not try and explain what New Yorkers are. Let's not try and explain why he's wrong and rude. I like that one too. Be like, well, I hope you like me. (laughs) Yeah, that that definitely hits uh, all your buttons. Yeah, (laughs) please like me. (laughs) So uh, that's... uh, that's what we would do. I, I think we gave a lot of different options I think my there. buttons would be, let's just get along. Yeah, like, oh, can we be friends? Um, <laughs> can we hang out later? Yeah. Our next question and is... And I'm not going to feel bad about that, by the way, that I like, <laughs> no, I want nor people should to get you. along. You should find friendships wherever you can. <laughs> Our next question is, quote, this question came up in my knitting group. And P.S. I love that so many knitters like our show. It's great. If you make a birthday cake and bring it to a party, does the person celebrating their birthday get to choose when to cut it? As in, do they get to decide to cut it at any given time without notifying the baker of the cake or anyone else? Or must they wait until everyone, including the baker, is gathered to do so? So I love the scene that has been painted. (laughs) And I wrote back, I wanted a little more color because I like the idea that we are knitting friends and it was somebody's birthday and then a cake was cut without authorization. And the question is like, was that wrong? 
And so I asked some follow-up questions just to fill in some detail. So how formal was this, I asked? It was apparently a very casual weekend away at a rented house. And so there was no official host. Very important detail. The cake itself was a chocolate cake with peanut butter frosting and a chocolate ganache filling. I like it because it's also that the party happened one place and then the question came up in the knitting group. Oh, we think that the knitters are not part of the birthday. I think some of them were part of the birthday, but then it was brought to the party later because it was clearly... So the etiquette crime happened and now we're sitting around knitting and now is like, well, let me tell you what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify what I think happened here, it was somebody's birthday. Somebody made a cake. The birthday person just cut themselves a slice. You know, it was in the kitchen and like walked in the living room eating a piece of birthday cake. That's and there was I, no happy birthday song. There was no gathering. Like there was no nothing. Like it was just like, oh, the cake was in the kitchen. I made a slice. That was it. And then the baker obviously is a little concerned. Uh, that was my takeaway as well. I also want to just take a moment to say amazing. A peanut butter frosting with a chocolate ganache all homemade. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. So one of the nice things when you bake for someone or give a gift of any sort is the enjoyment that you get seeing the person open it or enjoy the thing. Like baking is fun because you get to see somebody enjoying the thing you just baked. And so when you deprive someone of that, uh, this makes it less fun to bake for you. I also think there's a situation where you bring food to a person's party and it goes with all the other food. And people can come and go as they please. Okay. And that doesn't seem like this situation. I mean, that's if you brought chips and guacamole to a birthday party and you put it out on the chip table. Right. I'm just giving this person a benefit of the doubt that they don't know. (laughs) Also, though. This is a birthday cake, (laughs) peanut butter frosting, chocolate ganache. Ganache. This is baked for the birthday person. Well, on top of it, compounding the situation, it's multiple birthdays. Yes. Oh, maybe I neglected to mention that. Apparently, it was more than one person's birthday that we were celebrating at this weekend away. So technically, everybody should have been there whose birthday it is for the cake. True. I yes. feel like they didn't just cut the the line of not letting the, the person who cooked it see them dig into it. They also maybe stepped in front of the other birthday True. people who were perhaps True. waiting for a song. So two etiquette crimes were committed with this one act. Wow. So this is a serious crime. I think what happened was the person was so overwhelmed by the beauty of a chocolate cake with a peanut butter frosting. Oh, now you're just an apologist. That they couldn't Uh restrain themselves. Oh, I can imagine this cake was very tempting. Yes. But etiquette requires restraint. So, yes. I don't know this person. I guess the question is, is this appropriate? Which we've decided is no. I do not believe it is appropriate to just dig into a cake someone else has made for you to celebrate your birthday without letting them know. Yeah. Especially when it's multiple people's birthdays. Especially when it's not just your birthday this cake is celebrating. (laughs) Correct. Yes. So, yeah, I feel like this is pretty cut and dry. Cut and dry. No pun intended. Cut and served. I mean, I hope this cake wasn't dry. I mean, with all that ganache, how could it be? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was dry. I was just trying to move on the cut part. No, I know. We'll workshop it. We'll come back to that. (laughs) Our next question is, quote, I married into a large and opinionated family. There has been a family chat running since basically iPhones were available, and I would really like to no longer be in it. At one point, probably eight years ago, I left the chat, and then someone added me back in. I'm working on setting better boundaries, and this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Do I have to make a statement before leaving the chat? If so, what should I say? I don't want to be hurtful, but honestly, they can just be a lot to handle. Mm. Mm. So I feel like I know what I would do, but uh, let's hear it from you. No, I'd like to hear what you would do. I would mute it and I would stay in the chat. Oh, me too. Because 
Oh, okay. Okay. Because I think no good will come of making a statement. Because what do you say? I don't like you people. I don't like what you have to say. I don't want to hear your opinions. Like there's no way to make any announcement that is not a comment on everyone else. And it's the family you married into. Right. Which I think sometimes we just take one for the team. Right. So I think we have to do that because we cannot leave. And I think what you can do is mute it. Let your partner, who's presumably still in this group chat, alert you if there's anything that you need to know about or if ever somebody in like tags you in something and wants you to comment. But other than that, yeah, I think we just mute it. Yeah, just completely ignore it. And then if somebody says, oh, you haven't been responding, say, oh, I I can't keep up. Yeah, that's great. Or like, oh, gosh, I never look at my phone. Oh, I have so many alerts. I do understand and appreciate the wanting to set boundaries and take care of your mental health. But I think in this situation, there's a way to take care of your mental health that may not throw up as many issues. And that's muting it. I think the etiquette situation becomes much more complicated if you announce why you're leaving. So I think not making any announcement is really the path of least resistance. Yeah, and just mute that. is the way to go, yeah. But I think in general, a lot of people are on group chats with friends or family, and they don't want to be on those group chats because they find it toxic for whatever reason. So I think this is a very common problem. Oh, I think so, definitely. And so I think it's a little trickier the smaller the group chat is, because if you're on a group chat with only three other people, and now you just sort of like ghost, then this is maybe more noticeable, but... Also, I think the other people in the group chat, it's their responsibility to realize some people go back and forth all the time regular human beings can't be that involved in while they're doing the rest of life that's true yeah i the group chat or just text in general does make this ongoing dialogue that never stops a lot easier than you would ever have with a real relationship in real life yeah yeah that's true so so yeah just uh just mute it I feel sort of bad because I always want to support people in setting boundaries. And who do you feel bad for? This family that uh, no, is the being letter ignored? writer. She wants to do this, and we're being like, just mute it. But I think that's the right answer. Well, I think we're achieving the same goal for her, though. She wants to not have mental bandwidth spent on this group chat, and so we are allowing her to achieve that goal without causing any drama. Right, and she's the way she doesn't have to say anything. It's kind of like leaving. Yeah, but well, it's, not it's leaving. basically just uh, muting it. Yeah. Mute it. And not paying attention to it. No, I think we really uh, arrived at the perfect answer for this person and we will achieve all of her dreams. I love it. And we'll achieve all of your dreams if you send us some questions. So send them to us. Send them to us through our website, wereyouraisedbywolves.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or you can flip into our DMs. Or I guess if you text us and don't mute us, you can do it that way too. <laughs> so keep them coming. Keep them coming. Now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm loving being part of the Book of the Month because I often stay within the genres I already know or the particular authors I already know. And they're introducing me to new authors, things I might not have known about. It's so exciting. So Leah, tell me about what book is coming. I'm receiving in the mail very soon, The Return of Ellie Black. Where did she go? We don't know. She disappeared for years earlier and then resurfaces in the woods of Washington State. And I can't (laughs) wait to know more. If it's a story set in the woods, you're there. It's really true. I want I want a cozy town or a woods. Or both. Or also take a city. You know, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, as long <laughs> as there's murder or suspense, you're there. I like if there's some food. So you out there, you can get your first book for just $5 using promo code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com, use promo code PEDALS, and get your first book for just $5. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by the Kelly Corrigan Wonders Podcast. 
She has written four New York Times bestsellers and hosts a great interview show on PBS. She's been on the Today Show a bunch and the Oprah magazine calls Kelly the voice of a generation. Recently on her podcast, Kelly Corrigan Wonders, Kelly teamed up with Christy Turlington Burns for a special series talking to icons like Bono, Spike Lee, Jennifer Garner, Amy Schumer, and Cindy Crawford about their mothers. They share tender, candid, and often funny family stories that will help you reflect on your own childhood in new ways. Don't miss these magical conversations on the Kelly Corrigan Wonders podcast. Listen to Kelly Corrigan Wonders wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we're back. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent! Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette thing that's happened to us recently. Or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah, would you like to vent or repent? I would like to vent. Okay, yeah. So, shocker. Yeah. I also would like to make an, a, an addendum to something I said earlier. Oh, okay. Because I hate to walk away with still feeling like I have something. When I talked about people from Maine being casual and I brought up uh, tractors and trucks. Sure. That was a compliment. And oh, I took it as such. I just. Oh, so you would I, like to repent for your previous statement. <laughs> well, I know. I just want to make sure it came off as a compliment because there's nothing I want more than a truck. I, I look at them online. Uh, I thirst for the day that I would have a parking spot for a truck. Okay, we are different. I just want to make sure that that's very clear. I believe that your love of Maine and your respect for the people of Maine is unquestioned. So I think anything you say about their truck driving (laughs) to lobster bakes, all with love. I just want to make sure because some people make fun of people with tractors and I meant that as a compliment. No, I gotcha. Okay. So what's your vet? People who stand in front of edifices. (laughs) Edifices? I would say just stores, but it's also apartment buildings. Uh, Any Uh, edifice. Uh With no mask. Ah, okay. Like you're just standing there congregating. People have to go through you to get in. Okay, you've decided to not wear a mask. This is whatever. Don't stand in front of the door where Mm. other people have to go through you. Just move to the side. So you should be six feet away from the edifice. People will stand in the doorway on their phone and then no mask. Is edifice the right word here? I don't think so. It's just what came to mind. (laughs) I'm very hungry. Yes, I, I feel I would like say buildings. Okay. Private buildings, yes. public buildings, entrances. I would even say it doesn't have to be a building. Is it an entrance to a park? Just don't mm. stand in the opening area. Yes. I mean, I think in general, etiquette is about having courtesy for other people. And the whole idea with the mask wearing is actually not for you. It's actually for everybody else. That's yeah. like why we do it. And so if you don't want to wear a mask, okay. But uh, by not doing it, you are affecting other people. And so you do need to still have a nice social distance away from me. And you don't yeah. need to double down on not caring about other people by standing in the middle of where everybody has to go through. Okay, fair. All right, this is fair. So don't do that. Please. Yeah. And for me, I would also like to vent. And I, for whatever reason, I feel like I'm the last person that like still calls people on the phone. And there's a lot of voicemail <laughs> in my life. I just, I, I would love to not have so many voicemails, but uh, I still uh, live in a world in which voicemail happens. And what happens is someone will leave me a voicemail and there'll be probably a question in it or a request. So now I have to return your phone call. And so I will call you. I'll be like, hey, Leah, it's Nick. I got your voicemail. And you'll be like, oh, hey. And then you repeat the entire voicemail live for me again. And don't take a breath for me to jump in. So you repeat the entire two minute question, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, I, I'm returning your call because I received your voicemail. 
I listened to it. I am here to give you the information or the answer you are requesting. We don't have to go through this again. And it's really tricky because if I interrupt them, it's difficult to interrupt them and be like, oh no, I got your voicemail. Here's your right. So I, I find this maddening. It's tricky on the other side of it though, because so often people will return your call without actually having listened to your voicemail. Right, which is rude. Which is super rude. But like, it's very difficult to have someone call you and be like, oh, I'm returning your call saying, well, did you listen to my voicemail? It's hard to ask that in a nice way. So I can see how we've arrived at this, but I just wish when you answer the phone, just say hello, give me the opportunity to go into my answer for you before you feel automatic need to just do it all over again. I feel like a person who knows you well, that's should the know thing. Sure. that you've listened. Yeah, well, that's true. Yes. I do come across as the type of person who would probably listen to your voicemail and have a fully formed response to it before I return your call. Yeah, that you're very I have that thoughtful sense that and I organized. Right. Yeah. No, I, I actually find in general that the etiquette crimes that are committed against me by people that know me, those are the worst. Because you know, <laughs> I have an etiquette podcast. You know, Nick Layton, etiquette. You should be on your best behavior at all times. Terrifying. So you, right? But even if you're not into etiquette and they know you, they should know you well you enough should to know, know that you've listened. No, you should know who you're dealing with. Yeah. So. I'll often call people back if I saw I missed a call and it's somebody that I worry, oh, it's an emergency. You know what I mean? Okay. But if it's like a... And if there's like a full message or like a work thing, so I, and definitely if it was you, I would know that you listen sure. to the message. Know your audience. Yeah. So that's my vent. It's just, if you leave me a voicemail and I call you back, I have the answer for you. Nick's on top of it. I'm I think it's it. also, you want people to know that you're on top of it. Um, I don't necessarily need people to know that, <laughs> but I, it is sort of inherent uh, in the way I live my life. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> you're like, don't you know me? Yeah, like, uh, you know what you're buying from the next store. That's that's the merchandise I got for sale. <laughs> buying from the next store. So that's my vent. Uh, hopefully it'll never happen again. Fantastic. I wish you all great voicemails moving forward. Oh, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. So, Leah. What have we learned? I really feel like I learned a lot about the history of how food is served. Yeah. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh my goodness. And I learned all about lobster in an authentic Maine way. So I feel like I'm going to trick people next time I'm in Maine and they're going to think I'm local. I think Maine people are always happy to have you be local. We're welcoming. <laughs> Although they say you're not from here, but welcome. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery. Please visit our website. And for your homework this week, I want you to leave a nice review for us. Because the algorithm and the way people discover our show are based on the number of reviews that we get. So we would like more of those. If you've already left us a review, update it. I'll take a fresh David. review. <laughs> yeah. But we're very grateful. And please leave a nice review. Got something to say. Got some comments. Feel free to email me privately. Happy to address them one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> we don't have to use the review process to give us critiques. No, thank you. <laughs> so that's my request. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness. The part of the show that I try and bury at the end after people maybe are tuning out, where you make us say nice things and I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go.
Um, I would like to thank, uh, she actually listened to the show, my friend Coral uh, oh. from home. She, you know, I did my, I did a long set on Zoom, a comedy show, and it's, oh. it's very different performing online. Sure. And then it was my first, and she, you know, came to the show online and then surprised me. She had a poster or a sign in her square that said, love you, Leah. And it just it made me. You know, I haven't left this apartment in three months and it uh, melted <laughs> my heart. You know Aww, what I mean? That's very nice. It was yeah. so sweet. And when I saw that sign, I just welled up and I just appreciate it so much. And I would like to give a shout out to my friend Patrick, who has been baking up a storm like a lot of people have lately. You know, there's like a shortage of flour right now. Oh, yes. Some I people saw are that. baking. Yeah. The number of friends who have sourdough starter at home. Oh, my goodness. But uh, Patrick has really gotten into lemon bars. And I've watched his journey of refining this. I, I think it's an Ina Garten recipe. I've been watching his journey make these lemon bars over the past several months, and he brings them to me, uh, hand-delivered with my doorman. And it's so delightful to have all these lemon bars at home, um, which are very tasty. And I really appreciate it, uh, and it uh, brightens my day. So thank you, Patrick, for your baking efforts. I would like some more lemon bars, please. That's so sweet. (laughs) And that's it. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So, Leah... What show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.